The Operations Leadership Podcast with Gautam Basu provides insights for today's business leaders on creating value through operations improvement, process excellence, digital innovation, and organizational leadership. Our guest for this episode is Yuso Liesio. Yuso is an associate professor at the Management Science Group in the Information Services Management Department at the Alto Business School. He has an extensive background in operations research where he has developed novel modeling approaches, algorithms, and computer software related to portfolio decision analysis, multi-objective optimization, and sophisticated resource allocation models, to name a few. In this interview, Yuso provides us with an overview of the origins, applications, and future of the field of operations research. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Yuso. How are you doing? Hi, thanks. I'm good. Great. Well, welcome to the Operations Leadership Podcast. And maybe we can just start off with a very simple, basic question. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background and what got you interested in operations research. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm an associate professor at the business school, and my field is actually management science. So that's the kind of a sibling discipline of operations research. So business schools usually have management science, while engineering schools have operations research. But I actually did my dissertation at the Helsinki University of Technology, and that was in operations research. Um, What got me interested, I... I, I think you could trace this back to high school already. So uh, I think math and science was always my strong thing. I was interested in those. And the fact that you learn some basic principles and you don't have to remember everything by heart. You come up, you, you are presented problems and then you use the tools you have and the algorithms and the equations to solve them. So. So I, I think it's always been a strong suit. And, and then I think my career has been really about really showing that math is useful in real life applications and helping make better decisions and that type of thing. Um, so after my dissertation, I did some stuff. Uh, I, I, was, I was a research fellow in, in Vienna, Austria, in the International Institute of Applied Systems Analysis. I was a university lecturer at the uh, math department uh, and then uh, in 2015 got the tenure position at the business school in management science. Hmm. Maybe a follow-up question to that because you mentioned that uh, there are, let's say, different aspects of OR operations research and um, how, how, did you, how, how do you see, like, uh, for example, the engineering versus the kind of business or the management science side, what were the kind of main differences that you kind of noticed from the application perspective? The problems or the domain, does it affect anything? Uh, I, I think the applications are quite the same, at least the methods and models are the same. I, I think in engineering, they are hugely overlapping, the types of applications we see at the business school and at the engineering school. Maybe in engineering you have more like also included on top of business applications, you have, let's say, military applications. Uh, Maybe 
historically you have had more like environmental management problems, that types of things. And mm. of course, kind of pure engineering OR. So he- optimization models to help design an actual product when you have to consider multiple aspects. Mm. So maybe more emphasis on those in the engineering side. Um, and and then in, in the business school, more emphasis on on kind of management type of OR applications. But I would also kind of change, say that this is changing. I, I think, for instance, our business school is, is now focusing on on better business, better society types of things. So we are constantly bringing in also sustainability aspects in even the uh, types of assignments and problems we teach our students mm. at the basic bachelor business analytics courses. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and I guess uh, those for those that are not familiar with operations research or OR, um, could you just give a brief history or synopsis on how the, the background of the field, because uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the defense, military, uh, and then business, and of course, engineering. So could you give us a, a brief history on that? Yeah, so, so I, I think the standard uh, story of where operations research began, at, at least the term, was, was during and just before World War II in Britain and America. So during that war, operations research, so mathematical and statistical models to help make better decisions were used to, to optimize military operations. So uh, h- how to set up your air defenses in Britain, for instance, or... Um, how to organize the convoys from from the states to Europe to bring supplies? Should you have a lot of small convey convoys or 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 few bigger ones, which could then be more uh, better protected against the German U-boats? Mm-hmm. And and then after the war, I think um, we we had a and especially in the states and the Britain, you had a lot of people officers from the military with this kind of background, so they, they brought these kinds of uh, mathematical and statistical models to be used in the civilian, civilian life, so in, in businesses and, of course, also public administration. Uh, that being said, I mean, there has been quantitative tools used in, uh, in management already in the uh, kind of industrial revolution when it began mm-hmm. in the beginning of the last century, so... So I, I would I would say that there are more roots than simply the uh, military applications of mm. World War Two. Right. Right. But yeah. But so so after after the war, operations research, management science became things to be taught in the universities, and I I, I think the last part of of the history is is like the last twenty years. So the amount of data and also the amount of computational power has increased and became become much cheaper so all of the different methods developed back in the day all of a sudden are now useful because we have the data and we have the uh, computational power to actually use them mm-hmm. and and was it uh, I mean because you mentioned uh, this has been around since the industrial revolution but it really kind of blossomed after World War two with the military applications and and then actually going into business and other fields um, so when was this or kind of formally introduced in the kind of academic or university curriculums uh, I don't know exactly but let's 60s would probably be 60s 70s yeah. be the place. Uh, I, a lot of the things we 
now consider at the core of OR, like linear programming, which is basically linear optimization. I mean, that's been developed in the 50s, so. Right, right. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I, you know, I I guess that OR, it encompasses this development of a wide range of problem-solving techniques and methods uh, really to improve decision-making and and efficiency. Um, So maybe if you think about some of these kind of methods and and models, whether it's simulation or optimization or stochastic process models and econometric data envelope analysis, so on and so forth, my question is that how do you and other operations researchers approach problem-solving and how do you determine which model is the most appropriate solution for a given problem set? So maybe kind of a starting point would be to say that one of the sins of all of us really in the methods part is, is that we have our kind of favorite methods and, and we try to apply them. And there's also the bias of when I'm in an academic world, so I can... I have some freedom in, in choosing the types of applications that I really work with. So so then I'm, I'm more interested in applications where I see that we can use kind of state-of-the-art methods. But um, kind of from a more consulting perspective, uh, I, I, I think it's an iterative process. Uh, may, maybe at a very early stage you kind of know that is this something where we will end up with a very quantitative state-of-the-art model or uh, is the problem still kind of unstructured even for the client in a sense that what is most useful here is really to apply software methods that just help to structure the problem in a sense that what is the objective here? What is the actual decision we are trying to support? Uh, What are the different uncertainties related to identifying the best possible uh, decision alternative? Uh, okay, so then th- then if we are really in a process that a lot of this has been already figured out and we're really building a quantitative model, then, then I think it's an iterative process. So you start with something, you show maybe even with dummy data what this model could provide for the client, and then you fine-tune it if you see that, uh, okay, th- this is not really the thing that is most valuable. And, maybe, and, and often the client kind of seeing something then realizes that actually what we would need, what would be important for us, for our decision making would be to analyze this part of the problem and then we bring in, bring in more methods. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and maybe a part of this is also kind of figuring out what data do we have available. I mean, the, the, the best approach always would be that we start from what do we want to achieve, generating different types of ideas for decision order alternatives that help us achieve those objectives and then gathering really the data we need to evaluate how good the different alternatives are with respect to those objectives but of course in reality a lot of the time a project starts from the fact we have all this data what can we do with that yeah it's interesting um and and i i you were mentioning that obviously with the uh increased computing power, um, the proliferation of data, that this has become quite a hot area for especially younger folks. So could you talk a little bit about that in terms of, I know, for example, here at Alto, there's this new business analytics 
you know, specialization. So how do you see, like, for example, for younger people that want to uh, get into this field, whether it's management science or OR or, you know, data analytics, what have you, how do, how do you see that for, for younger people that are interested in, in getting into the field? Uh, it's, it's an interesting field with a lot of opportunities, I think. Uh, the demand for people with the title like operations analyst, operations research data, scientist data analyst, uh, those kinds of positions are open all the time. Uh, maybe the thing I would, because you have a lot of opportunities, maybe the thing to uh, kind of emphasize here is that now that you are young, uh, spend your time in, in, in learning some of the theory and the details uh, behind all of these methods, because l- later it's always easier to, to learn the softer part of the profession, like facilitating workshops or, or, or communication, communicating in an organization and these types of things. So at this point, in the early stages, there are equations, a lot of that, those things, a lot of uh, struggling with different software to get them work. So I, I think at a young age, that's the place to, to learn that part of them. Uh, that part of the profession. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of leads to a uh, follow-up question because this is uh, the operations leadership uh, podcast. So here we're talking about both the technical uh, quantitative methods, mathematical models that you're speaking about that are you know very much uh, part of the OR or the management science uh, domain. But how do you blend, for example, some of the softer skills from leadership, i.e., uh, communication, interpersonal communication, uh, you know, uh, persuading, like, for example, the outputs of the results of the model and maybe persuading somebody on the board of directors or the management team. How do you see that linkage between, let's say, leadership and more the technical uh, hard skills, so blending the hard and the soft skills? How, how do you view that? Well, um, I, I think that's one of definitely the strengths of a business school. So if you, if you think of the curriculum of, of students they will have courses on 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 a lot of the software issues as well uh, but then in really business analytics courses how do we kind of simulate this from the very uh, from the very beginning from the bachelor level courses is that um, all of our assignments are based on a on a application story so like a case a case study that there's always a background. We are always supporting kind of a real decision-making problem. Of course, we need to scale them down from the actual applications since we want to complete dozens of those during during one six-week course. But it, it's always about really not just figuring out or formula- formulating the model with pen and paper, but really doing the implementation and in, in a lot of the assignments also visualizing the results and... Uh, um, not only with graphs, but for instance, when we talk about uh, supply chains, like and optimizing supply chains, really using a map to h- highlight kind of which which factories are we using to produce this stuff, where is it transported, and to which warehouses, and from which warehouses do we serve different customer areas? Mm-hmm. Just just as a one, right. one example, and uh, and and one thing is, I would also say is if 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 we think about the real-life application is 
putting a lot of emphasis on in creating terms, putting a lot of emphasis on actually the assignments and rather than the exam, because the exam is a poor simulation of what, what building solving models is in real life. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, working in teams, I think, uh, a lot of the time you need to combine expertise of different people. Mm-hmm. And and maybe the final thing I would say that the master's thesis is, is one of the important. So a lot of our students are in a situation where they really have to first convince an organization, their uh, managers or executives that this is important, find something I- interesting and then do their analysis and, and present them in, in a way that they present them in a way that's understandable and, and that the benefits of, of the analysis are, are obvious to the to the higher up, so to right, speak. Right, right. Yeah, and that kind of leads logically into the next question, which is, uh, you know, around what are some of the typical operations research methods and tools which could be uh, applicable for supply chain management, logistics, operations management, because I see that as a, as a big domain or sub-discipline uh, that can be applicable to solve kind of, let's say, uh, real-world problems. So have you worked on, you know, you, you mentioned, for example, supply chain optimization, so network network optimization. Uh, so are there any other kind of, let's say, methods and tools that can be used specifically for supply chain management, logistics, or, or OM? Yeah, I think, I mean, even optimization involves a lot of different types of things. So, so the thing we mentioned already is, is network optimization models, which can then also include integer optimization parts. When you are really planning not only the distribution to satisfy demand, but also maybe production. So where do you produce uh, these types of things? Uh, Then, of course, stochastic optimization. Now, maybe more than ever, uh, it's important to consider the uncertainties in in the decision-making situation. So if it's about deciding on on the distribution plan or even the the uh, overall structure of the uh, supply network then then thinking that not all the parameters are we know we don't know all the parameters there mm. might be uncertainties we have to take a stance on on how much risk are we willing to take and and maybe maybe reduce kind of the average efficiency so that we are better prepared for uh, uncertain events extreme events and we won't be too our whole operation will not fail if, if something like that happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then, uh, I mean, procurement, maybe revenue management, those are places where simulation, decision analysis, uh, stochastic optimization are commonly used. So you have a di- maybe, I'm thinking of an example where we were, a company was thinking the uh, procurement of natural gas. So they use that as a... As a uh, source of energy in their operations. and But then the uh, way in which you buy gas, there's a pipeline c- coming, but you in, in advance kind of uh, make contracts that I will buy this many, uh, th- this amount of gas at this hour, at this month. And then if you commit to that early on, you get it cheaper. Right, so right. that will then combine all kinds of time series forecasting on how much gas do you need and what's the uncertainty in that and then stochastic optimization part to to really for structure a portfolio of these contracts so that your on average uh, 
paying as 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 little as possible for the gas you will mm-hmm. you will need. Uh, then about operations management, I think vendor selection would be a place where uh, decision analysis, especially kind of decision uh, analysis models that consider multiple criteria, are often used. So maybe you're not just worried about the uh, price, but also kind of the quality of the vendor and uh, past record and a lot of other things that might be might be needed. And then if we think about the where the world is going, I think a lot of the time we are now seeing that all of these optimization models might have multiple objectives. So so then you're dealing with multi-objective optimization. So maybe you're not only interested in minimizing the transportation cost, but you're also, as another objective, you're trying to minimize the CO2 emissions. Uh, these types of things. And, and of course, simulation, as I mentioned, kind of just figuring out if things are uncertain, how does this process actually work in the long run? Um, you could think about queuing in a restaurant, mm-hmm. those types yep. of things. So yep. simulation would be a good way to test out different uh, designs of, of, of the overall operation. That mm-hmm. How do they work when we have uncertainties in the number of customers or service times or, or these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I guess one one interesting question that I might have for you is that, you know, based on, let's say, the current uh, 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 geopolitical, economic, uh, social kind of uncertainties, increase in terms of the volatility uh, and fluctuations in, in many different things. So would that, uh, you know, going back to the, the question I asked earlier, uh, would that actually factor into the types of models that you'd be using? Because you mentioned simulation, you mentioned uh, multi-criteria uh, optimization. So would if, if something becomes more volatile or uncertain, so those decisions have to be made under increased uh, levels of uncertainty, uh, would that actually uh, influence the types of models or methods you'd use from an OR perspective? To some degree, yes, of course. Always when, when you're moving just from kind of optimizing the expected value of something, so you're also considering the entire distribution of, of, of what might happen, uh, then the the risk measures and those types of things that might not be visible in all standard models have to be brought in from, from decision analysis, basically. And so that's one thing actually changing the model. But maybe even the more important thing is that where do the inputs to the model come from? So we, the, we are mostly used and, and the most efficient kind of a mathematical tool is that you just get the data, historical data from some database. It runs the things uh, over and over again. You have a repeated decision-making setting and, and uh, it requires little development mm-hmm. after you have, have kind of made it work. But data is always looking at the past, the right? The past, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so then, if you want inputs that consider something that hasn't happened in the uh, history, then you need to bring in expert judgment. So the numbers have to be maybe they're partly motivated by historical facts, forecasting models based on historical data, but they also are adjusted based on the uh, expert judgment of of people, people, actual humans. Yeah, right. um, and, and that's, of course, if you think about the effort needed to run the model, 
if you're not just pulling in data from a database, but you're actually organizing workshops within di- with the different experts from different parts of the organization to get really an understanding of the uncertainty and what different values this parameter, this cost parameter, this demand parameter can have. Uh, that requires a lot of work. But th- that is definitely something that we need to do. We mm-hmm. have to use the human imagination uh, to think about what can happen and, and, and code it quantity coded in a quantitative way into our models so they can make use of these right. uncertainty estimates. Yeah. So I guess that would be kind of an example of uh, blending the technical hard skills with kind of the expert softer uh, stuff. So how would you actually code that? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm interested, you know, if you take an expert, for example, uh, you know, quantifying, for example, uh, supply risk for natural gas. Uh, do, do you bring those people in, interview them, and, and then how would you kind of co- code that uh, and input that, use that as an input into the model? How, how does that work? Yeah, so, so the, I think this is one of the strengths of operations research from the historical perspective that, that a lot of the time we didn't have that much data. And maybe compared to computer science where you don't have this interface to humans and expert judgments. So a lot of methods ha- are especially designed. A lot of researchers are focused on, on developing methods that with which you can interact with the experts. So it's really about questioning. So uh, at the simplest, this can be that wh- what do you think is the probability that, that the demand will be below 1,000 units? What's the probability that it's... Be- between 1,000 and 1,500. And of course, if you continue this kind of uh, questioning, then you get really a subjective uh, d- probability distribution for mm-hmm. the demand. Right. And uh, in terms of how, how stochastic models work, it doesn't really matter whether the probabilities are based on historical frequencies of events or whether they come from a, an, an expert's uh, subjective probability statements like like the one I, I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So once we have the data, it's easy to use, but as you can imagine, uh, organizing these kinds of interviews and probably you want uh, views from di- multiple experts to, to make, it, make the estimate more ra- reliable, and that requires more effort. Mm. Fascinating. Um, maybe, maybe one final question for you, you so... Uh, and that's around kind of the, how do you see the operations uh, research field developing, let's say, in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? So really future outlook, and you, I think you touched upon it a little bit in terms of the proliferation of data, uh, increased computing power, processing power, so on and so forth. So how do you see the field growing uh, or developing in the next 5 to 10 to even 20 years? Yeah, m- m- maybe the thing we talked about already. So so I, I think we have had a, a increased focus on data that comes from a database. And, and now that the world, once again, seems more uh, less predictable than maybe in the past, we will see more more reliance on actually also utilizing expert scenario work to bring in those kinds of uncertainties that are not not reflected by the historical data. So that's definitely one thing. 
second thing I would say, and maybe this goes a bit beyond operations management, but if we think about fields such as finance or, or logistics, supply chain planning, operations management, those are places where um, that have been traditionally quite quantitative. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising that a lot of lot of operations resource applications can be found in those areas. But what we will probably see in the future, and I think we are seeing already now that uh, uh, functions like human resources are more and more hiring people with the titles, uh, with the skill, analytic skills, operations, resource management, science. So we will see the same kinds of tools being applied for the things, the kinds of de- to support decision making in, in softer areas such as uh, human resources. Uh, so we covered that. So uh, and maybe the third thing I would maybe s- talk about is automated decision making. So traditionally, operations research has been about models that support a decision maker or a group of decision makers to to uh, identify the best best possible decision alternative so the models give decision recommendations his, uh, kind of that's the historical origin give decision recommendations but the final decision is always made by a by a human decision maker and, yeah. and he or she also takes kind of the responsibility so maybe the responsibility still falls with with one or one one person or more, but we will see things that you kind of take the human decision maker out of the loop. So you have an optimization model, it finds the optimal alternative. Maybe it's uh, linked directly to the production system that then actually already implements this. So one of the applications I'm thinking is is, is, uh, electricity production. So a lot of optimization models are used there they take in predictions on the spot price for the coming 24 hours, and then they give recommendations that at this hour you should produce this much, much hydropower, hydroelectricity, for instance. So do we need a human there always, or should it just the optimization model control the actual gates at the hydropower plant to produce that energy at that time when it's optimal to do so? Mm-hmm. And and that will be an interesting that will bring a lot of interesting development and resource work for mm. OR professionals. Right. So kind of like lights out uh, decision making. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. So uh, you so um, how would people uh, either kind of learn more uh, about the work that you're doing? Um, how could they kind of get in touch with you if they're interested in maybe taking your class uh, or or what have you so how, how what what are the kind of uh, uh, vehicles to 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 learn more about the work that you're doing and maybe maybe take part in your upcoming class or seminars yeah so i think alto university has people.alto.fi so i i have a profile definitely there and i think it automatically updates all the publications i have made so um, yeah some of the publications probably you can use as, as, as sleeping pills. But uh, <laughs> if, if you check the abstracts, I, I think they will pretty neatly and tightly kind of give the key insights that how is this beneficial and, and what is the type of application that we are doing here and, and, and those kinds of things. And um, uh, I'm teaching Business Analytics 1 right now, so it runs on the second period, so from October to November 
uh, every year, and and that's a big class, and we don't have any any limits on the number of participants. So so definitely join mm. us there. So that's I think a introductory level course and and introduces optimization models uh, with a, with a very strong application focus rather than theory. So now I think we have 260 students there. So an increase of almost 100% from last year. So definitely growing area, growing area. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, you, so I would like to uh, thank you for uh, being a guest uh, on the operations leadership podcast. Uh, very interesting uh, insights, fascinating insights on the operations research world. Uh, very important for operations leadership. So thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's it for this week's Operations Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And until next time.